Welcome to You Hate to Hear It, where each week we pick apart a song. At the end, we'll give our judgment and decide if this song truly deserves our vitriol or if we're just being mean. I am Andrew. I'm Brian. And I'm Ryan. All right. Good intro, guys. That was tight. <laughs> we're getting it. This is kind of our second one that we've had our name. We've got our format figured out. We really have the style. We're just now still, though, there's still some things that we kind of need to work out. This is kind of a relatively new podcast. You know, when you have a child, you're raising it, and you need to correct things sometimes. There's things that you kind of, you want them to cut it out, things that you want to emphasize and make them do more. And uh, and it's okay to give positive feedback. So, you know, you guys gave me some. So, uh, Ryan, I have some some little bit of feedback for you, too. My name is Brian, and your name is Ryan. And I think that's going to be confusing for the listeners. So I was wondering if you would like to pick a new name. Yeah, you know what? Let's, I'll, just, I'll just be George. Fuck it. Oh, I was thinking something kind of more dark, like, like Damien. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about just Rygar? I love Rygar. Yeah, Rygar, Rygar is Ryan's nickname that we've called him for... God knows how long, based on a, a crappy Nintendo game, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know if like Capcom's going to be coming after us f- for copyright claims on that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know but- we're trying our best here not to get demonetized slash sued, you mm-hmm. know, before we even like put our first episode out. Yep. Mm, I don't know. You know what? I think people can just uh, fucking deal with they it. They can just deal with it. I listen to... Um, it gets weird where it's hosted by Kyle and Niall. It's fine. <laughs> and you know what? Both their voices sound very similar too. So it's like you just have to really dig in, listen to about 100 episodes, and then you're going to be fine with everything. And you want to be a stand like that anyways. Anyone who's listening to us these first few episodes, like you're here on the ground floor. How many podcasts have you two listened to from episode one? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I usually start listening when they have like a special famous guest. So let's put that on our like goal chart. Mm-hmm. There we go. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so next week, uh, tune back in when we have Patton Oswalt here to discuss. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he's kind of known as like a music expert. Um, oh, dude, he's a gimme for any podcast. I, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe we could have Ed Sheeran on after you know we gave him a lot of press last <laughs> week. There's no such thing as bad press. There's no such thing as bad publicity. He might come on and be like. Yes, that's right, Ryan. Yeah, it's true. I really suck. I complete. I suck big time. I'm a total douche. You really called me out and uh, just want to get on the couch and just get some more lambasting. Wait, he, why does he sound like Ringo to me? That's not how he <laughs> But he's going to like pick his teeth with a Grammy. Oh, I think I have something in my front tooth right here. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> just leaves it. I got, I got lots of these. Um, <laughs> so you guys... I had kind of a bummer experience when I was driving home getting ready for the podcast and and I was like oh no I was like maybe I'll just uh kind of vent a little bit in our in our BS session uh before What's we up, start baby boy? Well I saw I, I was driving on the highway home and I saw a truck and it was it was an exterminator truck and the exterminator's company was called Mole Assassin and I just got this vision in my head of Mole from Wind in the Willows having like Agent 47 sneak up behind him and <laughs> with like that tight little piano wire thing that he's got. And I was just, it just really bummed me out. A Mole assassin. Come on. There's got to be All right. a more ethical way. 
Yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty, pretty sad. I was more of a Fifle guy, so I don't know. I can't really oh, relate okay. to mole mole assassinations. Yeah, he lives. He lives through both of those movies. I think Fifle does. I think. yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved yeah. Like, uh, what's the one? Like that made me think of Fivel. Is it Fivel? Like it's goes fi- west. It's Fivel. Yeah. 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 Fivel goes west. Fivel. Uh, no, it's okay. No, no. I I wasn't sure if you were talking about something different, and it just reminded me of it. Or if that was actually something. Like, what's the first Fivel movie? What's it called? It's um, uh, an American tale. An American tale. Because oh, mice have tales. One. Yes, that's and, true. And still to this yeah. day, my dad will sing the song. He'll be like, "There are no cats in America." And the streets are paved with cheese. That's a kind of a funny, like, interesting topic for only 80s animation had this stuff with, like, the rescuers and Five Will Goes. The, the, whole, the whole American tale thing is they're coming to America to, like, escape the Russian Jewish pogroms, you know, that were <laughs> yes. happening. So it's just like someone, mm-hmm. someone is like, oh, this genocide. Is like, that would be kind of a cool topic for, like, a kid's movie. Yeah, but, I mean, they did, they did kind of slap. They did. No. Oh, hey, uh, speaking of bummer news, this is a note that was left on my car window. Um, and it said, an older gentleman driving a Dodge Caravan, uh, parenthesis, red, hit the pack of your car. License number. Oh, oh, wait, no, I'm not actually, actually <laughs> going to say that. Yeah. Come on. Come on. But, okay, so on a lighter note, that reminds me of one of my best friends in the entire world, best friend growing up. She was dating this guy for a while, and they would go do these fucking hilarious pranks. And one night, they sexy did pranks? a prank. What kind of pranks? Were they sexy pranks? They were not sexy pranks. Uh. No, these were legit. Yeah. So they they would go into a parking lot, and they would put a note in someone's windshield and say, hey, I'm super sorry. I hit your car, but I'm like, I don't have insurance right now, and I just I couldn't do anything about it. And, and then they would sit there in the bushes nearby and just watch these people, like, looking all over their car trying to find it. And, of course, they didn't find anything. They didn't actually hit the car. So oh it's a relatively God. harmless prank. But, like, I, dude, I feel I would, like that's, like— I would be I'm a, so I'm, pissed if someone did that to me. What is this? Yeah, Candid dude, that's camera? called emotional damages, and you can get money for that in court. Uh, uh, I, uh— Whatever snowflakes. That story is just proof that, like, you know what you should do in high school? You should smoke weed. <laughs> kids kids need to be on drugs otherwise they're going to be going around leaving dumb notes pranking people so that's a good that was a good bs session i think there's more stories to be told about the this these great times known as the early 2000s and this kind of brings us to the introduction of the song tonight i picked the song i did it this one just kind of it just kind of came out of the ether for me as like, you know, thinking about like, what's a song that, uh, I mean, we actually probably try to, one of us, you know, in the format, of course, one of us brings a song to the group. It's usually a song that had there's some element of it or the whole damn thing just really stuck in your craw, just upset you. It is a living nightmare that you maybe from a long time ago or maybe the recent past that kind of just really bothered you and you bring to the group. And then sometimes like last week you'll have where you're like, see this guy's, this this song is so deserving of all my hatred. And then you got an asshole like me who's just like, hey, it's a pretty cool song. I like Ed Sheeran's hair. He seems like a cool dude. I want to stand around and drink a million beers and have a million shots with him and crash my car into the lake. 
And that's your right. And that's what makes this podcast so beautiful. It is. But I don't know if I, I, I'm predicting a unanimous verdict on this one today. The song that we chose for today, that I chose, that we're doing is Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani from 2004. I lied last time and said it was 2002. Nobody got the, the next time quiz. Yep. That's why I didn't get it. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you deleted it from your memory, probably. <laughs> like, a, like a horrible childhood traumatic episode, you just like blanked it out. The, yep. uh, the, do you guys have any like experience with this song? Do you like remember where you were when it came out? Because I kind of do. No, I mean, luckily for me, you know, 2004 was my, you know, I would have been a like sophomore or junior in college. And oh, college boy. Over um, here. I was just deep in like indie at that time. I was not listening to pop radio at all. Luckily, I think I missed out on a lot of like that early 2000s. Um, that's there's a lot of bad music in that time. There's a, there's a lot of good music that I've gone back to and I, I do enjoy. Um, but yeah, stuff like this. Uh, I'm sure that I heard it maybe somewhere. I definitely remember the bridge. Uh, the lovely bananas part um, when I heard that. But otherwise, no. I'm not sure that I ever heard this song fully all the way through. Um, and in some ways, that's what I'm most mad um, <laughs> at you about, Brian, is I probably could have like bragged about never having heard this song. And now I've had to listen to it three times. And uh, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not happy about that. So It is pretty ruinous, I got to say. Like, I think I'm like developing a slight cold. <laughs> it's like triggering your immune system. Yes. Like just listening. Yeah. Your white yeah. blood cell count just goes down every time you hear the song. Yeah. I, you know, uh, just like Andrew, I, I think 2004, I was actually coming back from Los Angeles on a crazy post MTV musical stint and starting college again. And that that was my people and machines days, Andrew. You, oh yeah, you, yeah, remember? Yeah, I those definitely remember glorious those. days of just. It was like an art collective slash band of maybe seven to fifteen people at any given moment, yep. um, all dressed up in costumes and and playing shows at the co-op to a bunch of you know DMT addled <laughs> hippies. Um, it was a lot of fun, and we were just so far into outsider art that like. I don't know if I even heard this song until like 2010 or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was aware of the producer. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Having seen him down in LA beforehand and really having uh, that guy rub me the wrong way. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe I heard like a piece of this on a radio, like blasting by in somebody's car, but I was just so in the weeds of not messing with this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, for me, <laughs> well, like I was living in Argentina at the time, uh, going to school there. You know, studying Argentine literature, art, the Spanish language, history, all these things. But really what I wanted to do when I wasn't in school, which was basically, my school was an ex, like, uh, well, what's the best way to put this? A torture dungeon where political dissidents in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s were, had been taken. And then when the country kind of came out of their dictatorship and um, had like a some better semblance of a democracy, the, all these big buildings that before had been, you know, d- d- bad, nefarious things had been happening in them. And they changed it into a school. And my school was, my, my classroom that I was in pretty much eight hours a day was in the basement. Universidad de Desaparecidos. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. And there were other, there was like a, there's like a, a TGI McFunsters like type type place (laughs) 
that like is not too far from the school where the school had like a welcome dinner. And then one of the teachers was just like, you know, they used to uh, torture and murder people here not too long ago. And now <laughs> you're, when we, I'm sitting with Americans eating cheeseburgers. I was like, whoa, dark. But when I would come out of school, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go home and chill. And, you know, they had TV. This is not a third world country. There's, there was plenty of amenities. And they had MTV2, not MTV1. That was just for the good old US of A. But on MTV2, I would watch that to kind of get like a taste of home. Because I was always mm-hmm. like, I would, like, I love be living in the United States. I have a lot of problems with what, with our, our country and our, our our culture and everything like that, but when I'm when I was away, I was just like, oh man, I, I kind of I'm American. I'm not I'm just gonna admit that about myself. And uh, amen, I, brother. I missed the music, and so I was like, and I I brought like a CD case and stuff, but like after a while, the Marshall Mathers LP is just not enough to sustain <laughs> you. So I was on the MTV too. Uh, oh come on, man! You were listening to like the Blueprint and some. Dope I de- I definitely was. I brought the Black Album. Actually, we'll, I'm going to talk about that later. But um, yeah. the this this song came on, and I remember just being like, "What the crap is this? Is this what is this what's happening while I'm away? This like <laughs> overproduced, <laughs> like really just thoughtless pop trash." And that was what was on the, there was American radio that you could listen to. And I was, we were one time going to this place in La Pampa with a friend of my host mom's and we were driving and all of a sudden on the American radio, Gorillaz with Deltron came on. Hell yeah. And I was like, yes, finally, something good. Oh, this is great. And her shitty little skinny, like wannabe soccer player, rich boy son in the back of their like enormous Land Rover. He's just like, Mama, cambialo. Like, change it. Like, and, and, uh, and she just changed it immediately. I was like, oh, oh, I really wanted to hear that song. Oh, oh no. Clint Eastwood. Uh, <laughs> it was sad, so, dude, yeah. and, uh, and so this song, that's the, the, the stuck in my craw part for this. I was just like, I was like, I, th- that was three and a half minutes where I could have been in touch with my homeland in a time when I was lost and lonely and who came on but Little Miss Gwen Stefani. So we that's our sorry. kind of our in general personal feelings about Gwen Stefani, guys. Like she's she's the artist. I mean, I personally I mean, I I really liked No Doubt and I liked their album Tragic Kingdom. I really like a lot of the music that is that is on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, me too. Um I and even the album after, I forget the name, it had that song Hey Baby, and like it, that's you know. The, the one they recorded in Jamaica. Yeah, is that um, like you could tell they were progressing in a way that was they were leaving like the punk ska side of things, which was unfortunate because yeah, Tragic Kingdom it was a really amazing '90s album. I mean, I remember being so pissed when I found out later that one of my friends had seen No Doubt and Weezer like live on the same bill, and No wow. Doubt was like opening for Weezer. And yeah, it was, I I wish I could have gone to that show. But yeah, but then to see Gwen Stefani, I mean, she just, you know, it it was like the writing was on the wall from the beginning and she just, she was too big for no doubt or she just, yeah, she had other other, um, ideas for her life and yeah, so she chose to go this way. I, I thought no doubt was the best part about her from day one. They, they actually like brought out the best of her capabilities 
Um, I listened to a little bit of the stuff before Tragic Kingdom, which honestly, that's the only thing I remember is that album hitting at that specific time in history with, you know, the third wave ska or whatever you want to call it, ska punk. And like, they were just really trying a bunch of stuff. And that, that album just seemed to be hit at the exact perfect crest of the wave just to put them over. And, you know, there's some infectious tunes in there, but did you guys ever see, uh, what was that uh, movie, the like Lonely Island Boys did, uh, Pop Star Never Stop Not Stopping or something like that? I think like I might have caught that, yeah, on HBO maybe one day. It's a, it's a silly-ass movie, but like I feel like she's definitely someone who you can equate to that film so easily. You can really like relate her album. This is a lady whose album like has no direction. Mm-hmm. She didn't even know what she was really doing or wanted. Um, but she wanted to make an album. She knew that much. And like, I think, you know, judging from some of the lyrics of some of her other songs, she's kind of just like baldly saying like, well, I got this record deal for like a million bucks. I better like make some songs. Maybe I'll talk about the clothes I like. You know? <laughs> I, yeah. I was going to say like, um, when kind of reading about this album, that was definitely one of the things, like I read the pitchfork review from 2004 of this album and just saying how it is unabashedly promoting her new line of clothing and just like it's it's almost like a marketing it's just a marketing piece it's not that yeah. like an artistic expression and yeah and i mean kind of going back to the tragic kingdom and like the early no doubt days one of the things i loved about gwen stefani you know for me i was what 12 or 13 when that album came out is like there's some serious like amazing feminist vibes in that album that i had never really heard before you know i mean songs like just a girl spiderwebs um even don't speak are are songs that are they're not love songs they're they're songs about i mean yeah empowerment about suppression about you know stalkers and tr- like toxic relationships and things like that and i remember you know just kind of feeling like it was a breath of fresh air because it wasn't that cliche love song kind of thing. It was something new. And I think that, you know, apart from her stage presence and her voice and things like that, I feel like that was really her power in those early days. You know, just to push back a little bit though, like this was the same time I was rolling with some ladies who were listening to like Alanis Morissette. Yeah. um, Yeah. Tori Amos. And like, I feel like those were some serious Lilith fair going like female empowerment lyrics Yes. That kind of, you know, kick kick some ass and like actually had yeah. people crying. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess I'm saying more because I was like, I was deep in the punk scene um, at the time when like the No Doubt thing. Okay. And like, and I mean, there's there's a lot. There's a great um, history and, you know, common thread of feminism and a lot of, a lot of like a lot of those same things in yeah. punk music. But just I feel like Gwen Stefani, you know, expressed it in a new way. Yeah, dude, I think so too. Like, I mean, here, here's we have, you know, a woman. She's like a, a Southern Californian. She, she's, she's blonde. She dresses like a Southern Californian. She doesn't really fit into the mold of the Alanis Morissette, of the, uh, the Liz Fair. The, you know, she's, she kind of was, yeah. yeah. But she still, she wrote, she wrote all those songs. She, they're definitely intended to be like poppy, you know poppy tracks and um and the, her that album did really well and i think like she's someone that like really understands like how to like commercialize herself i think like the vo- her voice when she actually sings which i think is a big problem with this song 
she's not doing the thing that she does best, which is she's she's actually a great singer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, born in California, 1969. Later, after she graduates, they got the 1995 breakout album. That's our third studio album, Tragic Kingdom. She's in the band with her boyfriend, and they break up, but the band stays together. And then a lot of these songs that she's writing are like about their breakup. So that must have been That's fun. That's good fuel for the fire. Yeah, that must have been fun for him. He's like, oh shit, I'm getting <laughs> totally put on blast. <laughs> yeah, when he saw those checks coming in every month, I'm sure he was like, oh shit, I'm getting put on blast. Yeah. Oh, he could handle it. That makes the pain go away. <laughs> yeah, real quick. Then um, this song comes off the album, Love, Angel, Music, Baby. Periods between all those words, guys. And it spells lamb, like the animal. And that is also the name of her clothing brand, which she's wearing, of course. And like you said, she's wearing in all these music videos. And she's like, you know, flexing her, you know, some awesome things that you can buy, like uh, cell phone accessories at the time. Little, little like jingly things that hang off your cell phone. Yeah. She had that belt buckle. I don't know if you noticed the belt buckle that she's wearing that's like nine inches wide. You could get that from Lamb. <laughs> you could definitely get that beanie that she's wearing. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, known for her awesome, super cool, long blonde hair. Let's put her in a beanie for like 75% of this. <laughs> yeah, gross. What about the uh, cool piano keys for a, a ring? Can you buy that? Oh, yeah, that's on Lamb. That's Lamb.com, dude. Sick. Mm-hmm. I would buy that. The The Harajuku girl was was rocking that. Was that Baby, maybe? That could have been Baby. It could have been Angel. Been angel probably Angel. <laughs> they, they gave her a lot of play, let's be fair. Yeah, I, uh, I'd i half half wanted to uh, find the Kuku Harajuku cartoon that uh, Gwen Stefani kind of produced uh, w- with another Japanese television station about the Harajuku girls. So apparently they have their own little cartoon where they're like the brats, like doing their, <laughs> going around beating up cereal boxes or whatever the Harajuku girls do. That's kind of cute. I don't I don't know where we're going to really like slot those ladies into this conversation, but um, I, I did try to go around finding stuff on them. And like, you know, for as cool as they are, there's surprisingly not a lot of info out no, there. No, but that's, that's um, part of their appeal, Ryan. They're so mysterious. Yeah, I guess what's, so. What's going on with these Harajuku girls? They're secret superheroes or something. Something like that, or they're just kind of like tucked away as like a project to boost <laughs> Win Stefani's product yeah. line, and like they're kind of an afterthought otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's actually let's let's go down this rabbit hole because this is actually something that kind of got her in a little bit of trouble. Because if, if you go through the, her album, if you go through her publicity at the time, the Harajuku girls they were like her her entourage, right? So you know, baby, she was obviously. Uh, uh, Johnny Johnny drama, Angel was turtle. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> sorry, sorry, baby. I didn't mean to do you like that. No. Uh, Johnny drama was the oldest, and baby was the youngest. Oh, okay. I thought it was a night. She was yeah. more like a turtle. Yeah, yeah. Like more a like a turtle. turtle. Yeah. She's totally yeah. a turtle. She was like she's out scoring the scoring the dope and like <laughs> meat. Uh, so so she got in a little bit of trouble. Because this in 2004, the term like cultural appropriation was not being thrown around a lot. Um, neither was the term weeb, which I think she kind of comes <laughs> off as a little bit, even though I think I'll say that she she had to comment on this, right? Because people are like, what's up with you and like this kind of 
Japanese like click or Harajuku girls and you going to like places like Yokohama and like trying to like imitate some of that fashion. And she's like, um, she says, that was my Japanese influence. And that was a culture that was so rich with tradition, yet so futuristic, with so much attention to art and detail and discipline. And it was fascinating to me. Uh, she visited Harajuku as an adult and she referred to herself as a super fan of Japanese culture, AKA a weeaboo. <laughs> In the same interview, Stefani commented that she was Japanese and identifies not with <laughs> Japan's culture, but also with the Hispanic and Latinx communities of Anaheim, California. Her, car her comments have garnered criticism of cultural appropriation with interviews and writers clarifying that Stefani, who is Irish-American and Italian-American, is not Japanese. <laughs> I don't know. There's a weird double standard there, especially nowadays where you can really identify as what you want to be. If it you know makes you feel comfortable in this world, it, she doesn't have to be you know what her heritage dictates. Uh, uh, she's just a stan. <laughs> I think she actually threw in the UK as well in another interview. Um, a citizen of the world, exactly. And all these fucking haters out there making you know a mountain out of a molehill. You go over to Japan, they honestly don't give a shit about this controversy. They have a term for it over there called porikore which is a portmanteau that basically means political correctness. And they're just like, yeah, this is just some fucking porikore shit that's going on in the media. We, don't, we do not care. She is bulletproof. Like, right, you got to give it up to her. She, she is very unapologetic about her stance on yeah. this. She's never backtracked once. And, I mean, aside from saying that she is Japanese... Okay, that part I was like, all right, don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't let's not say that. She's also insane. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy thing to say. And oh, uh, at the end of this interview, I would just like to add, uh, I am Japanese. Goodbye, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, in their no doubt days, she would wear an Indian bindi, you know, like a jewel that you mm. kind of put on your forehead. It's a, mm -hmm. uh, an Indian traditional. Yeah, little. absolutely. I remember that. And uh, people gave her shit for that. But why does that feel a little bit more racist? I don't know. I I I I know exactly what you mean. Um, another cool thing about Gwen Stefani, she was named after a waitress in the 1968 novel Airport, which also was made into a movie, and then spoofed in the movie Airplane, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> Wait, so does that mean her her parents named her after that, or is that a, like a nom du rock and roll? No, her her middle name is Renee. So. Her, she, she's Gwen Renee Stefani. She she did not she didn't really change her name. She's like Gwen Stefani. My name kicks ass. I'm ready to be a rock star. Hell yeah! So do you guys? That is a good name. Do you guys want to get into the song? We got any other things to say? I mean, uh, the one important thing about this song is it's the first pop song that ever got uh, one million downloads. Oh. Wow. So this On is what, a, like, what platform would that be? Like Napster or? I think in just pro. I, I, could it have been iTunes? Maybe. I mean, two thousand four. Maybe. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know if iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. yeah. We were rocking iPods and mini iPods and shit like that back then. It's true. It must have been just like the beginning of it, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's true. I'm sure that there was a lot of stuff back because two thousand two when I was. Yeah, I remember doing Napster and stuff when I was in like 2002 and there was definitely stuff getting a million downloads back then so yeah music and otherwise oh yeah i i used to be really into some short films i would watch on the internet um is it icebox or whatever the oh, home no. star runner yes home uh, star runner <laughs> yes 
These these were short <laughs> films that you'd uh, like scan through a lot to find just the part that you wa- wanted to watch and watch it again. Um, they you, you usually needed to have a box of Kleenex with you when you watched them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were so sad. <laughs> Such sad shorts. Um, <laughs> some of the YouTube comments from this also show you who her fan base was. Who was in... So Gwen Stefani now is like 53. She's 35 at the time that she makes this song. 35 is maybe too old to like go to high school and like have like an impromptu courtyard party. But uh, so, so it's a lot, of, a lot of the YouTube comments which were, were very positive, of course, um, are, like, are like, hey, I listen to this when I'm getting my kids ready for school. Like, I thought this mom loves Gwen <laughs> Stefani. I'm just like, all right, yeah, go, mom power. You know? Yeah. Um, one guy wrote, this song makes me want to ask my teacher if she did her homework. Okay, thanks, dude. <laughs> and then back in the day when the dirty version of a song included the word shit, some twerking, and a banana. The 2000s. Uh, and then Adam Koob writes, R.I.P. Gwen Stefani. I can't believe she's gone. So, <laughs> where are you getting your news? She's fine. Yes. Do-do-do-do. That one fucking <laughs> takes the cake. What a winner. Uh, this guy just going on to every artist page and being like, rest in peace. Rest. <laughs> I, like, I think now that is a prank I can actually get behind uh, in support. Yeah, if I hadn't been doing some some major research... I would have been like, what? Go to Twitter. Nope, she's fine. Um, Married twice, Gavin Rossdale of Bush fame, the only band named after pubic hair. Glycerine. What is glycerine? Is that like for a rash? Yeah. I thought it was like for like a heart condition or something. Oh, okay. Well, people need their... Maybe that's nitroglycerine. Yeah, you're thinking of... Yeah, yeah. glycerine is just a... It's a... Sugar alcohol, basically. It's just this. It's kind of a natural sweetener that's derived from. Uh, it's like a byproduct. They use it in body care products and in vapes. Yeah, food products. Like it's it's yeah, it's super <laughs> innocuous. It's not. It's not hurting anyone. Uh, the very thing that you're sucking on right now, Brian. Oh exactly. no, it's probably glycerin based. Edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Don't the, let uh, the days go by. No, <laughs> without <laughs> sucking on glycerin. Yeah. The uh, she, uh, she she uh, then went on to become be a judge on The Voice, which is mm-hmm. I think a really dumb singing show I, that I fucking hate, and uh, and because most uh, what an off uh, like a on again off again relationship she has to that show though. Did you kind of see the flip flop? Like it seems like every year she get hired on, then the next year she's gone, the next year she's back on again. Yeah, she took Nick Jonas's chair one time. I think like Nick, get out of there. Let the queen of stadium anthems sit in the chair today. Then she was on, and then the one guy who was on forever, Blake Shelton. Then he's he says, "I won the ultimate prize on The Voice. I don't think anybody had a bigger win than I did because he married." Gwen Stefani in July of 2021. Oh, wow. Wow. What a cool way to talk about your wife. She's such a prize that I won. That guy seems like a friggin' asshole. He does. But so does Gavin Rossdale in his own way. Just <laughs> not like a hillbilly. Yeah. I don't know. What was Yeah, what's the last thing you heard about Gavin? I feel like he's been out of the limelight just living yeah, I probably think, a better life. I think the last thing I heard about Gavin Rossdale was that he broke up with Gwen Stefani. <laughs> 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 good on him. Yep. So I loved Bush actually back in the day. I thought they were a good 90s 
all rock band. That's like quintessential all rock to me. So hell yeah. Yeah. And God, we listened to such different shit in the 90s. But yeah, it was like, just yeah. on the radio, you know? It's just like whatever was on, you got to have it on. Yeah. On yep. on K-Rock or whatever the fuck. Yeah, NRQ. Yeah, NRK here in Portland, which is by the way where we are. Not sure if we've actually said that yet, but we but, are uh, a Portland podcast with yeah. one big outstretching like a uh, gerrymandered branch going over to somewhere <laughs> undisclosed, a location underground, yes, deep in Ryan's bunker, where he just <laughs> can can just cook up a big pot of hate for all these great songs and methamphetamines. <laughs> Which this song could have used a shot of meth because it just feels so. Let's let's start our song song review. This song feels out of gas just right from the beginning she starts her music video and ryan you did i educated you today on this by saying he looks at the harajuku girls and being like that's so kawaii which is not referring to the island which they are not from no which got me no (laughs) but that means cool in japanese kind of slang hmm okay well that's cool she knows she knows some words good good honor oh god yeah she's I mean, she is Japanese, as she said. <laughs> the uh, the idea behind the song, right, is that she wanted to make the stadium anthem that people would play at sports games. Like the song that in, in the lyrics of the song, she even says like, another one bites the dust. And then they play a little bit of the yeah. riff from another one bites the dust on the synthesized horn. Which is crazy because she's really biting off of we will rock you, right? Yeah. Yes. So, like, yeah. she's just, like, even mixing those, like, influences, which just, I don't know, really hurts my brain. This is this is a gumbo. Yeah, I mean, just get your Metallica song straight already. <laughs> like, you know, if you're going to rip a song, just pick a I lane. would just, yeah, like, like the, I mean, at that point, she, I think a little bit of hubris is well-deserved. She's like, I want to stand with the Giants. I want to be, stand with Queen. I want to stand with those guys that made that song. No, 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 no. Hey. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> Whenever that song comes on, if I'm at a sporting event, I'm just always like, God, this song fucking sucks. Hey. Yeah. That's, you know, I got to do a little research about that song because now I want to know, is that a song that's just made for like stadiums or is that actually a song? Hmm. I think that that's just a fucking yeah, stadium I song. I think it's from a pep band yeah. that made that. Totally a pep band song. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pep Shop Boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course, now it's a what? Seven Nation Army. Seven uh, Nation Army is the big stadium anthem, and I think yeah. I think that's exactly what Jack White had in mind when when he wrote that song. He's like, play. I'm sure. Yeah, building his Tesla coil in his basement. He's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really want to yeah. like make a sports anthem. Yeah, I hope they play this at minor league baseball games. <laughs> that song kicks ass, but then yeah, then in, in the context you're like, I don't know, what the fuck are we doing here? Taking this the white stripes <laughs> and making them this stadium anthem. People are like eating hot dogs and you know getting drunk and watching football and listening to the, the white stripes is kind of funny to me. Hey, better than the Black Eyed Peas. Oh yeah, oh my god. Or Hollaback Girl, like. I I definitely I've been to a fair amount of Blazer games and I never have heard this song, and so like I definitely think it's pretty safe to say that Gwen Stefani did not succeed. No, at her this goal is a, a when failure. it came to this, and 
And I mean, especially because like if she's trying to make a like a stadium anthem, a stadium anthem's got to go somewhere. Like this song doesn't you go literally anywhere. Just it's, stay in do 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 do. Yeah, and and a, a huge sin of having the, the the you know the stomp stomp clap kind of beat, and then when you have instrumentation come in, it's acoustic. Yeah. That's never gonna play. I mean, it's like well, a, it's a like, cool Neptune style Pharrell bullshit, right? You know, minimalist beat. And like to be fair, it kind of caught my ear a little bit. I was like, well, that's like unique, but that's not something you're gonna be, you know, hollering between bites of a corn dog, ever. <laughs> Bam. <Bam-er. laughs> the uh, the 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 idea that in in this is the time when I think Missy Misamina Elliott also had a song that came out around the same time. And other bands, other groups were doing this too, where they would have like the the southern style like marching band with like really like amazing musicians and like drumline style drummers like like kind of come out in their music videos or join them on stage at live performances like at MTV Music Awards. I think like they had like mm-hmm. a big marching band like come out and these guys, these drumline dudes are like totally killing it. And the the big tubas are like playing and like you know they're they're dancing with the tubas and it's all like super cool. It's all like then, Lil John, Two Step, New Orleans, like that era, sort of like drawing yeah. that influence. And I I think I really like that. Yeah, that part's dope. Like two years earlier, the movie Drumline, you know, Nick Cannon came out in two thousand two. So like <laughs> that might have Andrew. something. No, I know. I mean like. <laughs> No, like seriously though, the like that might have movie. something to do with it. Cause like yeah. I mean, like that movie was actually good. Like I was in I was in Marching Man in high school, like, and that movie does a fair amount of justice to the tension. And I mean, there's yeah, there's a, a great amazing history of drum lines and marching bands in black culture that I think that, that movie actually did a pretty good job with. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, aside. But um, um I, I think going, besides going Fival. I think we've disagreed on our our choices of movies across the board, or at least I have not onboarded anything you've recommended so far. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, and so, I, I think that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. My standards for movies are much lower than my standards for music. <laughs> I will thoroughly enjoy a horrible movie. Right. So, right. um, yeah. Uh, but I, something else I think that really deserves to be said about this song, you know. Um, is so this song came out hollaback girl comes out in 2004 one year earlier so i was kind of doing a little bit of research into pharrell williams because i i like pharrell uh pharrell williams <laughs> yeah i believe pretty it's sure pronounced pharrell yeah pretty sure he's pretty, like hello yeah, gwen i'm pharrell <laughs> i live in the wild um, <laughs> um, oh yeah that's a word yeah um so He's made a lot of tracks that I thoroughly do enjoy. Like, what's the fucking song with that punk? That song is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that he was actually the producer on All Right by Kendrick Lamar, Mm -hmm. the song that, like, became the anthem of the Black Lives Matter protest. Like, Great song. Yeah. Yeah, great song. Absolutely. Um, So on the Pitchfork uh, list of the top 30 best Pharrell songs, you know, this song came in at number 26. So pretty, Ooh. pretty, yeah, wow. pretty 30 under far 30. back in line. Still made it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it still made it. Cause I think it, sales. they just kind of had to put it on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was it sales. top, top 50? You said, or top 30? Yeah. Yeah. Top 30. Top okay, 30. That's, I mean, that's a so, lot of songs. So it barely snuck in. Yeah. Um, the number one song on that list came out a year earlier 
Can anybody name what that song might be? Was that the clips? No. I got Here, it. Go. Yeah. So it was Milkshake. Oh, and oh, no. The second, the second that I learned that, I was like, oh, wait. Holla Batgirl sounds exactly like Milkshake. And, like, if you played them side by side, they're almost the same tempo. They have very similar choruses. But Milkshake is, like, just a better song. Yeah. And it was... That song hit, that song caught on, everything like that. So I think that really, like, Hella Batgirl is like the year-old dregs in Pharrell's mind. That he's like, he's like scraping the bong, trying to like, you know, <laughs> smoke, like smoke the resin from his milkshake era. Uh-huh. Exactly. And this is what we get. And her is, lyrics yeah, are basically like, the backwash of that song as well. Oh, um, you know, this, yeah. this song came together as almost an afterthought for both of them. Uh, Pharrell just like mm-hmm. kind of pleaded with her when she was taken off after they'd already recorded, I guess, the rest of the album. He's like, eh, hang out. Let's do one more. Let's just do one more. Maybe we should put like a good song on this album. <laughs> uh, I've got, I've had luck with that before. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's try one more time. Uh, That's like when you're shooting hoops and you're just like, all right, when I'm, I'm going to make one and then I'll go home. Yeah. And then you just like keep bricking. <laughs> All right, sun's going down. Got to make one. Got to make one here. Uh, I, I did see for the song, I, if you want to talk inspiration for lyric writing, <laughs> if you want to call it that, quote unquote, inspiration. Um, oh, yeah. The story behind the su- behind the music with Ryan. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. This is a diss track in the mind of Gwen Stefani to um, Courtney Love. Courtney Love from from the band we all love, Hole. Oh, man. Also known as uh, the the wife of Kurt Cobain. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it was some, probably she was high as tits on heroin, just like gave some offhanded remark to a, you know, interviewer about, you know, how Gwen Stefani was just, you know, bubblegum, she called her a cheerleader. What a diss. And she was like, Courtney Love was like, you know, like if rock and roll is like a high school man, like I'm like, like, I'm not like a Gwen Stefani. I'm not like a cheerleader or whatever. Like I'd be like at the dugout, like smoking, you know, just like God <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Man, did you guys ever see that <laughs> that documentary where the guy basically accuses her of hiring uh, El Bucho um, <laughs> to kill Kurt wow. Cobain? <laughs> oh, it's, wow. It's, it is something to watch, man. I think it's called Soaked in Bleach. Go ahead and check out that documentary. It starts off as just like a documentary about Nirvana that ends with him like getting escorted out of like a, a speaking engagement of Courtney Love by just screaming like, you killed him! You killed him! Wow. <laughs> I mean, hey, we were all thinking it, dude. I think she killed him kind of the more old-fashioned way by just like being mean. Just wearing him down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, cause she yeah. seems like a very unpleasant person. And if this is, the, if this song is the representation of the schoolyard fight between Gwen Stefani and Courtney Love, I'm on Gwen Stefani's side, even though her diss track is pretty much the worst I've ever heard. If you want to get into the, 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 the lyrics, what this song hits you with its theme right off the bat with the first lyric, uh-huh, this is my shit. This is my 
feces. <laughs> this song is shit. This is dog shit. This sucks. The whole idea of the diss track, and then she does this little like imaginary thing based on that one comment that stoned Courtney Love said to her. She's like, yeah, it is like a high school. And you know what? We'll make a video in a high school, and me, a 35-year-old woman, I'll be hanging out with a bunch of high school kids in high school, and I'll be a high school cheerleader <laughs> in high school. Uh, yeah, I, I guess in in the branding and mark, marketization fight, uh, Gwen Stefani definitely wins. In in just like a street mm-hmm. brawl, though, you know Courtney Love's going to curb stomp this. Bitch. Oh my god! Yeah, I heard she <laughs> killed a guy. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. Oh, few times I've been around that track. It's not gonna happen like that because I ain't no hollaback girl. And then what does a forty-year-old dad do? You know, how many years too late am I? This is two thousand four. It's twenty twenty-three right now. I go Google. What is a hollaback girl? (laughs) And Google luckily had just a great, very easy to digest definition for me. It goes. The first result is uh, Wiktionary. Hollaback girl, a promiscuous woman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, got it. Okay, that I kind of almost figured out on my own. See, this is where it like kind of fucks me up. Okay, so a few times she's been around that track, and you'll notice in the music video too, she's doing the wipe your nose uh, gesture, which you know, if like you're into gang signs, <laughs> which is like, yo, the ops are near. Like it just oh. it makes me feel like she's talking about being a hooker on the track. I don't think that's what she means, but she does, she does do that a lot. And I like, I was just like, uh, is that kind of the thing? Like where you like, you're by yourself and no one's around and you scratch your butt and then you just kind of like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smell your fingers. Dude. I mean, and then go and immediately well, wash your hands. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. And that, that makes more sense in the context of what was happening otherwise. Cause she loves her own brand. So she's just like, <laughs> She's just soaking it up. Oh my God. Put that on the lamb shop. <laughs> yeah, right. And oh, then, to Stefani. And then, <laughs> you know, repeat, she's not a hollaback girl. Okay, like, I believe you. Are your lyrics going to have anything to do with you, like, just kind of standing up to being called, to being like slut shamed and like saying, I'm not like that? No, they do not. This is a dropped line that we just will go back to this hollaback girl. A lot, this this refrain a lot, um, but the when the verse starts, this is really where the song starts to have some trouble. If you've ever seen My Fair Lady with Rex Harrison, which is kind of an old musical movie, Rex Harrison is like a great English actor, and uh, and he gets this job in a musical, but he can't sing. So what does he do? He's just like, I will talk and sing. I can do anything. I don't have to make a melody. I can talk and sing. Do you want to go outside? Do you want to have some tea? <laughs> I am not really singing. Like you're like okay, like that's a good way for you to get around. And that's she's talk singing through this whole thing, mm-hmm. and it does kind of sound like Kalise, except Kalise has style, verve, zhuzh, zazz, pizzazz, all that shit, and an incredible amount of sex appeal, which I think. And you know what? I'll, I have, I'm of two minds about Gwen Stefani. Like, I find her to be like she's obviously a very beautiful woman, 
and she wears some skimpy outfits in this thing, but it's never like, it's never, it's not a horny music video and none of her, none of her work is really that like, like, oh, take a look at me, like with a lot of flesh on display, which is kind of like what a lot of music nowadays yeah. is kind of all, all about. And once again, this is a diss track. This isn't, this isn't a fuck track. Yeah. And I think, I like that. I think that's a good, a good way to go. I mean, I love the fuck track. I love Take My Milkshake. I'm like, the milkshake metaphor, Khalees, I get. Milkshake is sex. I understand. Let's, let's, I'm, you know what? I'm going to call up the box and uh, put $2 down and let's see that music video again. Mm-hmm. Even the, like, put, put my thing down, flip it and reverse it with, like, wearing the garbage bag costume. Like, that was talking about, hot as fuck. Talking about sex. <laughs> In, like, Mm. kind of a cool, fun way. This one talks about the most generic bullshit ever. I heard that you were talking shit, and you didn't think that I would hear it. People hear you talking like that, getting everybody fired up. So I'm ready to attack, gonna lead the pack, gonna get a touchdown, gonna take you out. That right, put your pom-poms down, getting everybody fired up. Like, these are, these are, these are bad. Yeah, Grandpa, go to (laughs) bed. The sun is down. You're confused. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna lead the pack. I'm gonna get a touchdown. <laughs> She's gonna take her out. Put your pom poms down. But she dresses like a, a cheerleader for half the music video. Are we? Are we? Are we saying that she is or she isn't the cheerleader? Is she owning the cheerleader image? Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, she's, sure. she's she's she's. At the same time, she's saying that she's not. So she's denying it in her terrible lyrics while she is owning it visually. It's like it's a real juxtaposition. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the cheerleader and the hollaback girl go hand in hand, so to say. Like she can be the cheerleader without being the hollaback girl. Cheerleader in the street. That, that Courtney Love is saying that she is. And she's saying, well, no, I'm not. I'm going to, like, beat you up under the bleachers. But there's no, like, I don't know. There's no violence there besides the wipe in her nose. In fact, <laughs> there's that super sexy moment where they're all, like, on the, the basketball floor and they're just, like, fucking, like, hip thrusting. Oh, that's a great move. That was a great... I was like, you guys should do that one a couple more times. It, like, <laughs> it definitely burned its way into my brain. But it's just, a, it's also just like a dope, dope, like dance move. And, and a lot of the dancing was like kind of cool and interesting in the, in the music video, but just the song just weighs it down. And when you're asking her to like essentially rap and she just like is doing like such a bad job, she can really sing. Yeah. You know, completely underutilized her. Mm-hmm. To bring it back to that, it's, it's her best asset. It's, it's her voice. She wants to meet you under the bleachers. So she goes, so that's right, dude. Meet me at the bleachers. No principals, no student teachers. <laughs> I like the idea of being like, no student teachers, guys. That will fuck up the whole game if the student teachers come out. <laughs> oh, you mean the like non-paid college kids that like are getting their first taste of high school? If I was a student teacher, like, Brian, go break up the fight between Gwen Stefani and Courtney Love out under the bleachers. I'd be like, I'm going to go home. I got like, I got other shit. I got it. This is not my thing. Dude, that reminds me of the student teacher when we were in high school uh, who like filled in for Mrs. Vitus in our chem class. And uh, I caught him doing Tai Chi while smoking a cigarette on, on the fucking baseball diamond. I was like, Dude, who are these people that they find and bring into our school? Like how much vetting is going on here? 
They get fingerprinted. I know that. A little bit of okay, a background Okay, we got that check. going at least. Like, yeah, there's at least like a cursory sex re- uh, offender registry search yeah. going on. But mm-hmm. yeah, you kids, know they can really let their freak flag fly. Otherwise, they're little little cigarette smoking and tai chi never hurt anybody. You know this this music video could have used some tai chi. True, actually, you know if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna co-opt other cultures, let's like let's co-opt some more stuff. The Harajuku girls are giving it their all all throughout the music video, though. They are like... And I think that's the best part. Yeah, that's like their artistry is like the hip thrust. Let's go. They One of them came up with that move. And that's the thing that sticks with me. It was a cool move. Because it's actually edgy. It's actually edgy yeah. at all. There's nothing edgy at all about this whole thing. Otherwise, no. No. But like her letting those ladies have some sort of agency in the song actually like lets it fly a little bit. And then we get to what must have felt at the moment. Like, like, have you ever been like, I don't know, really tired or maybe under the influence of something and you get an idea and you're like, this is great. What a great idea. I'll spell out the word bananas as like a <laughs> cheerleading rally. Like it, it, for me, falls flat. I'm like, bananas. Okay. It's bananas how Pharrell, like, <laughs> like that he can make shit that I really like and then make something like this. Nope. Not appealing. <laughs> no, but it's, it's... Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Oh Very my God. good. That was good. Oh. <laughs> well done. <laughs> my, my sides are splitting. No, <laughs> I just slapped my kneecap right off of my leg and it hit the wall. Uh, holy <laughs> shit, dude. That almost that almost passed me by, honestly. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, we gotta you gotta stop. Uh but that's the part that I I do remember, like maybe I wasn't familiar with the song, but like whatever it was about it. It got like caught up in the flotsam and jetsam of the cultural zeitgeist. And yeah. that B-A-N-A-N-A-S definitely got into my head somehow from like, I don't even know what third party of, you know, watching mm-hmm. a TV show or like another artist talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but that's the part I know about this song. I think yeah. when you were doing the quiz last week, that's the part that I fucking recited. Yeah, you not came knowing. Up- you were able to come else. up with that, yeah, but not the rest of this because this is utterly forgettable and uh, yeah, unappealing. So I might argue that is the best part of the song mm-hmm. is her taking that theme of the school chant, like spelling out a you know you know defense or whatever, but in <laughs> fruit form in this case, <laughs> and like it really worked. It, like it's that like lowest common denominator. Somehow that meme can just spread across the globe. <laughs> Yeah, teenagers at the time were like, hey, I like bananas. I like this song. I slipped on a banana peel. The uh oh, the it's literally the, like literally the low-hanging fruit. Ding ding ding. Jesus. Oh, uh, uh, is this the, I don't know if this is the part to add right now, but like I just saw a little uh, another review. It's just a perfect little pull from um, Eric Greenwood, and he called the song moronic and embarrassingly tuneless. Oh, God, yeah. it is tuneless, it's, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I do think that this song could have been redeemed. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised 
that like Pharrell didn't see something that was obviously very much lacking in this. Like if this could have, if it would have built into something bigger, if there would have been some, some more of a climax or like, like a, like even like a wall of sound type moment or something in the second half, like it could have kind of redeemed itself. Like the emptiness, you know, I like songs that have that great kind of emptiness in them. And then they build into something. This song just didn't go anywhere. It was so boring. Like it's one of those three minute songs where like, I'm looking at the like progression of it every 15 seconds. Like how much more of this do I have to listen to? Oh, Wait, God. really? It's only been another 12 seconds. Like, fuck. <laughs> so it was, a, yeah. it was just, Truly. it's just that repeat repetitive nothing and it just that's just kind of what it boils down to just like a big nothing sandwich with like a a fart on the side for your trouble yeah which is reflective of the whole album as well if you listen to any of the other songs it's really the same theme being played out over and over she doesn't have anything to say she's got a lot to say on the christmas album that she does with blake shelton and a lot of it has to do with Merry Christmas and having have a good Christmas. Yeah. And so that that message is timeless for uh, for us Christmas celebrants out there. Yeah. That that Christ is a deep well to draw from. Oh yeah, like yeah. you got like you got Christmas, you got Easter. Maybe she'll do an Easter album, you know? I hope she nails it. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean there's there's always room in my heart for another white cis cis couple to put out a great Christmas album. Like, oh, hey, just, man, baby. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, take, I, just take my money, take it. Well, I, I am kind of a big fan of not to listen to, but just the idea of the songs of uh, of like fucking on Christmas, <laughs> like, the Christmas like now that the kids are put to bed, put on your Mrs. Santa little uh, pajamas, <laughs> and we're yeah. fucking on Christmas. <laughs> Dude, whatever. I, w- I want to hear uh, Little Nos X make a fucking Christmas oh, album. That guy would kill it. <laughs> I think that shit would slam. In just some like Santa bondage gear. <laughs> like in yeah, season. let's that go. Guy, that guy has awesome fashion sense too. So before <laughs> we move on, we this is our final judgment, our final verdicts. So did we like it? Did anyone change their mind about the song? Andrew, why don't you go first? Oh yeah, I mean we've totally changed my mind. Absolutely, like I this is probably one of the best songs of the last fifty <laughs> years. Like no, absolutely not. This is yeah, this song is it, it's it's going to be hard to to reach a low like this. I feel like for a little while. This is a very good pick, Brian. This this song definitely uh, yeah. I, I'm going to give this a solid point five out of ten. Okay. Um, yeah. No. So that is strong and i am going to i'll go next i'm going to complete well, actually well, no, no I, th- Ryan, I think you should go last this is your choice yeah, yeah 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 that's right yeah um i'm i'm going to go ahead and say i think you've kind of phoned it in with this song brian it's <laughs> it's this is just an easy win for you because there's no way we're going to come back around to liking this in any way shape or form um i think personally did i like it no do I like the Harajuku girls? Absolutely. Baby is awesome. Her story is rad. She almost got kicked out of America and never came back, but like she made that shit work. But regardless, this song is much like the work that <laughs> Gwen Stefani has gotten done on her face. 
as of late. Uh, it has taken something that was once unique and special and very beautiful and just turned it into a plastic, bland, commercially edible piece of shit that anybody can eat and not complain about. Well, anybody but us. Hell yeah. The true heroes standing against the tides and the, the, the slings and arrows of pop trash from from where whatever decade you want. And I think Am I canceled yet? No. <laughs> no. This is we actually we actually have to have listeners before that happens. Okay. Um so no, did I like it? No. Did it change my mind? No. I hated the song. I hated the 3.5 minutes of my life that it wasted in 2004 when I was living in Argentina. And I could have been at an asado listening to some fucking cumbia instead, which is the most repetitive, some of the most repetitive music on earth, but still has way more heart, soul, sex appeal, originality, and awesome lyrics. Uh, this has none of the above. This is is a song that made me mad. I cringed at the music video and I hate it. Hooray! Hooray! You did it, guys. Also, in the music video, they go into a grocery store and she karate kicks a box of cereal and then throws it on the floor. What the fuck, lady? Who's going to clean that shit up? (laughs) (laughs) It's your problem. And Pharrell's face the whole time, you know what? There's a real fine line between loving yourself, which I approve of, and just being a narcissist piece of shit, which I believe is his problem. He comes across as such a smug asshole. And uh, and his song, Happy, is another one that I think maybe it's a future episode because I fucking hate that shit too. This song is just like, this one and Happy are a, a match made in You Hate to Hear It Heaven. So that's gonna be a fun fight because I might actually have to fight on the side of angels for that. Song. Oh yeah, because you're like yeah. a big minions guy, right? You, you, could, <laughs> you can't see it in the background. Ryan has like a minion, a, a couple nude minions. Uh, like one of them is one of the minions smelling their own finger. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, wait, yeah. minions love bananas. This song is mostly about bananas. Whoa, the the Pharrell mm. happy minion. Gwen Stefani connection, man. Connect the dots. It's like loose change. It was all there for us to see. Just <laughs> the Illuminati's been programming us, bro. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to mention loose change in every episode, <laughs> just to, at some point. That'll get us put on a list. <laughs> yeah, we're really just gonna gain viewership God. from that. <laughs> man, that, this is all getting cut. Okay, good. I don't want to be on a list. <laughs> It was an inside job. Bush knocked down the towers. We are now into that fun part of the podcast where we get to actually talk about stuff that we actually like. And these are going to be our kind of songs that we recommend. Songs that have maybe a similar vibe, but do it better. Like, is there a better stadium anthem than Hollaback Girl? I think we have decided today that probably, yes, there is. So I am going to, you know what? My my normal, because I'm of the Zoom uh, windows. I was going to throw it to Andrew, but Ryan, guess what? You get to go first on songs that you recommend. Is there a song that nice. you feel like is going to do this? Yes, absolutely. I feel like I'm a great place to start right now because I'm going to be the palate cleanser. I'm going to actually take it very far left on, on the diagram here from where we have been. If you are concerned at all about cultural appropriation and want to actually get a little deeper into artists from Japan, 
who are doing some shit, I suggest you go check out Lord of Cobra featuring Killville by Yokai Jaki. He's basically like the Japanese Takashi 69. Okay. <laughs> With like some like crazy kind of lo-fi like chip tune trap. And I, I am fucking digging his vibe on this. It's just like him and one other homie in like a shitty ass apartment taking bong rips. And uh, it's nasty. And it's a total palate cleanse from what we've been listening to. Hell yeah. Dude, that sounds tight. They're doing some shit that's definitely different and a little more of the time. And, you know, it's not Harajuku, but like it is diametrically opposed to the shit you just had to listen to if you uh, have been <laughs> listening along to the tracks before uh, listening to our podcast. And uh, we don't recommend that you do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's bad for your health. We need a fucking warning label slapped on this shit. People fucking love it, though. People love Hollaback Girl. Not us. Uh, Andrew, do you got a song you recommend? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, speaking of, I mean, both Gwen Stefani and Pharrell Williams, you know, we've talked about them throughout this episode. So, I mean, I would go, I mean, if you want better Gwen Stefani, just go back and listen to No Doubt, really, like. It's that simple. Just go back, give Tragic Kingdom a listen if you haven't listened to it for a while. It's a fantastic album. For Pharrell Williams, I have a real soft spot for, you can still find it on YouTube. Go watch the live performance of Get Lucky from the Grammys. He's got, you know, he's got Daft Punk up on there on stage. He's got um, Nils, I can't think of his name, but like the classic, like famous guitar player, um, Nils, not Nils Lofgren, but Nils Lundgren or something like that. I it's mean, Nils did, Lundgren, yeah. Yeah. Lofgren, Lofgren, sorry. Lofgren, thank you. Nils Lofgren. He did guitar on Let's Dance by David Bowie. He did guitar on, oh, what, uh, Super Freak. Um, you know, he's done, he's just all over the place. And that performance is so much fun to watch. The only thing that's really annoying about it is, Steven Tyler making a total fucking asshole of himself. Um, they like keep cutting to him and he's just such an idiot. But God, hate the that performance itself, I think, is a really great uh, moment in kind of recent pop, you know, Emmy, just a fun song. But then otherwise, you know, thinking of 2004 when this album came out, it came out a year later, but it was recorded in 2004. I would just say go and listen to my personal favorite band, Broken Social Scene recorded their self-titled album in 2004. It came out in 2005. And just if you want to, you know, if if you're really down about the music that was being made, because I was looking through the rest of the Billboard Hot 100 from 2004, and it's bad. Like, it is very, you know, it's Linkin Park and Maroon 5 and just a lot of really, really bad music. Hoobastank, I mean, it's just, it's very bad. Um, and so, Careful. you know. Just lost but, the Hoobastank fans. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, Broken Social Scene, self-titled album. Definitely just, I mean, not their best album, but still an amazing work of post-rock. Yeah, Ryan knows what's up about so this. Good. Uh, yeah, so good. so good. And so, yeah, go give that a listen and uh your faith in early 2000s humanity will be somewhat restored. So. Yeah, I think I think I had kind of the same idea as you, like thinking about that time. And uh, like a song that kind of almost has like a similar, like the similar bones, but just done like in like a way better, more authentic way that I was kind of listening to around this time in my life too was uh, 99 Problems by Jay-Z, uh, produced by Rick Rubin. You know, like the beat, 
the the like there it, it is it is sparse and like what is there is really strong though uh the lyrics if you want to like kind of try to create an image of like who the performer is or who kind of their you know their character is that they that they play in their in their songs and their lyrics like jay-z is the master of that like it is so much more exciting it's so much cooler the storytelling is amazing the beat is frigging fantastic even though it is it's there, there's like not a bridge there's nothing that like the song the beat just kind of repeats like but like it does it in a way that is like absolutely genius thanks to rick rubin who produced uh his black album and uh that one just for, for me like 99 problems but a ain't one well, i can say bitch i guess but a bitch ain't one like that shit is so hard and edgy and this is it is a banana this song this song is like the Kirk Cameron of of songs like the banana you know how he, that guy like like got on TV and was like you know banana is a proof that god exists right because a banana hey it comes in its own wrapper god has already packaged the banana for us and it even comes with its own wow. timer it when it's when it's bright yellow that means god's telling you it's time to eat this banana and also the banana curves in your hand towards your mouth that's god's way of telling you you should eat this banana <laughs> That that's even worse than the eyeball argument. Holy shit, dude! Um, <laughs> that guy. Did not know that. Well, thank you for educating me there. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Also, you know, to to yes and the Jay Z as well. Like, go check out the Gray album, which is the mashup with Beatles oh, yeah. tracks, which yeah. are amazing. Or just go listen to Ninety Nine Problems. Uh, the the taping of him in the booth doing his uh his basically his verse like him and the cops speaking to each other it's like he takes on personas like just like the flip of a switch like there's no uh you know two take jakes on that it's just him one take going back and forth and it's perfect it's flawless amen so um guys it is we're we're into plugs if we can i don't know i don't just maybe just a short little thing that so i mean ryan you kind of plugged a, a cool new indie artist like a guy that i definitely want to check out um anything else to plug or maybe something personal that you are working on that you want other people to check out yeah um right now i am working on the beginning of a script for a new comic book called the last party on planet earth um it's probably going to be in fits and starts, just little like four page minis uh, that will eventually accrue into, a, you know, full issues. So if you're, um, you know, an uh, illustrator out there or a letterer or any kind of colorist or flatter, wh whatever, if you love comic books and want to, you know, start collabing on, I'm calling it basically the Invisibles at Burning Man. So it's got that kind of vibe to it. It's going to be weird and wild. But if that's you and want to work on some comics, um, hit me up at uh, lastpartyonplanetearth at gmail.com. And uh, I'd be super down to work with you. And, you know, I, I pay uh, a fair wage and, uh, you know, just looking for some cool people to work on. Hell yeah. Dude, good luck in that venture. I'm excited about it. I saw some of that on the, on the uh, that you shared with me on Google Drive. It seems really cool. Hell yeah. Uh, Andrew, anything that you're working on? Playing any music? Anything cool you're excited about? Oh boy. I mean, really, all I can say right now is I'm expecting my second child soon. So Ooh. no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am working on house projects and uh, getting ready for, for all of that. So uh, no, I'm just excited to check out Ryan's comic ventures and uh, enjoy 
yeah, enjoy the little bit of sleep that I'm getting right now. So, so you you're <laughs> gonna have your second kid. That means that you've had sex at least two times. So you're kind of the hollaback girl of this podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Getting busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Andrew. We are all excited about the upcoming birth of your new baby. Um, Absolutely. Do you guys want to talk about what's coming up next time? I believe it's going to be Andrew's turn to pick the, the song. That's right. That's right. This next time it is my choice. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to bring it back to present day for this one and just give a little clue. You know, I I kept hearing about this band. I had never really heard it before. Um, but then I heard that they were going to be on SNL. So they were on Saturday Night Live Uh you know, in in this current season, and I saw it, and I was super excited because I've I personally have seen some really great music on SNL. I've seen some great performances over the years, and so I was like, "Cool!" You know, I've heard good things about this band, and I watched it, and it was so bad and so horrible. So that's all I'm gonna say. Um, it's a band, and they were recently on SNL, and we will we will talk more about them next Damn, time. Damn, I got no clue, man. Past my bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna guess yeah. it's Vampire Weekend. <laughs> I don't think they're. Are they still around? Although, what's really funny is I was considering doing Vampire Weekend for next week, but I thought it was just a little too similar era to Hollaback Girl, so we'll we'll save that one for a later episode because I do have some Vampire Weekend uh, hmm. hate in me as well. So, uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, but yeah, of course. So Andrew, uh, you know, uh, where where can they find us? Yeah, if anybody out there does want to get in touch with us, you can easily get in touch with us on Twitter at y h t h i podcast. That's you hate to hear it. Y h t h i podcast, or send us uh, your question, comment, your own feedback at y h t h i dot podcast at gmail dot com. Yes. And yeah, aside from that, uh, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, I am Andrew. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brian. Thanks you all for listening. <laughs>